On the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord, we are looking in the book of First Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter number 5, and we're going to uh, read verse number 8 this morning. First Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter number 5 and verse 8. The word of the Lord says to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I'm using for the subject this morning, devoured, devoured. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the of the word of God. Father, help us to heed the word of God and heed the warning of the Lord today that Lord, we not be devoured by the enemy of our soul. Lord, let your anointing, Lord, be upon us today, Lord. Let us uh, uh, be transformed into the very uh, oracle or mouthpiece or messenger of God today. We ask, give us ears to hear and may we respond to the word of God that we receive today. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Jesus said of Satan in John 10 and 10, that he comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. I want to tell you this morning that the devil wants to eat you up and spit you out. Peter said in our text that the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. This morning I want us to make an acrostic with this word devour. D-E-V-O-U-R, an acrostic today. And with each letter of this word, we're going to see some of the ways and some of the means and some of the methods that Satan uses to try and devour the people of God. For the D in this word this morning, I'm using the word distractions. Distractions. You know, when you think about the devil's work, so often we think of something sleazy. We think of something evil and something dirty and degrading and, and disgusting. And for some, uh, Satan attracts them with the darker side of life. And yet for others, and perhaps even for most, he simply distracts them. Simply distracts them, uh, blurs their focus and gets them off track just enough that eventually they become derailed. Yeah, my friend, the devil often uses good things, positive things, wholesome things. And yet even good, positive, and wholesome things in excess and out of balance can get us distracted. And before long, we are totally off track. We have taken a detour and the road that we are now on won't get us to our intended destination. I've said it often, I say it again this morning. It's not always what we do that gets us into trouble, but it's what we overdo. Three areas I want to call your attention to this morning where Satan uses to distract us. The first one is family. Family. Oh, family is wonderful. Oh, I love my family. We all ought to take care of our family. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, if you don't take care of your own family, uh, oh, you have denied the faith and you are worse than an unbeliever. Husbands ought to take time for their wives, and wives ought to take time for their husbands. Parents ought to be spending time with their children, and children should not neglect their parents. Families are wonderful. 
But sometimes Satan gets us overly preoccupied with our family to the point where we have no time for God. We have no time for his house. We have no time for his work. We give to our family the time and the talent and the treasure that rightly belongs to God. Remember the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Friend, if you are spending God's time, if you are spending God's talent, if you are spending God's treasure on your family, they have become your God. You have placed them before God. Three areas where Satan uh, uses to distract us. The first one is family. The second one is fun. Listen to me this morning. It's okay to have fun. Oh, having fun is is not a sin. I believe in having fun. One of my life verses is John 10 and 10. The latter part Jesus said in the Amplified Version, I came that you might have and enjoy life. Oh, have it in abundance and have it to the full and have it until it overflows. It's okay to have fun. God wants us to have fun. The wisdom writer wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, Nothing is better for man than to rejoice and to do good in his life, to eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. It is the gift of God. God wants you to enjoy your family. He wants you to enjoy your friends. He wants you to enjoy your possessions. He wants you to enjoy Life. God wants us to have some fun. Oh, He wants us to relax and have recreation with our friend and family. God wants us to work hard and play hard. And He wants us to do it in that order. And yet too often the devil gets good people distracted with fun. Oh, it was so much fun. Saturday, I'm going back on Sunday. Oh, and it was so much fun this Sunday. I'm going next Sunday. And it was so much fun next Sunday that I'm going the next and the next and the next. And before long, it becomes a habit. And what started out as a good thing has distracted us from the better thing. I love the story of the pastor that decided he didn't want to preach that one Sunday. He didn't want to go to church that day. And so he skipped church on Sunday and he went and played golf instead. St. Peter spots the pastor on about the fifth hole. And he says to God, he says, (laughs) he says, look down there, God. Pastor Smith is playing golf on Sunday. God says, I see him. Peter says with a grin on his face, what are you going to do about it? God says, I've got it under control. Just sit back and watch. Pastor teased the ball up on a 175-yard par three. The pastor swings. Oh, the ball takes off. Oh, it lands about five feet from the cap and rolls into the hole. A hole in one. Peter said, God, I thought you said you were going to get him. He just made a hole in one from 175 yards. God said to Peter, it's Sunday He's supposed to be preaching. Who's he going to tell? Three areas where Satan tries to distract us with family, with fun, with fortune. 
fortune. Friend, there's nothing wrong with making money. The Bible encourages us to work hard. The Bible encourages us to invest. The Bible tells us we ought to be risk takers. The Bible chastises the lazy and the slothful and those that refuse to be industrious. And yet too many have gone to the extreme. They have become workaholic or they have become greedy. Money and position have captured their soul to the point where they have no time for God anymore. No time for the house of God anymore. No time for the work of God anymore. They don't even have time for their own family. Again, I repeat this morning, and it's often not what we do that distracts us. It's not always what we do that is bad and gets us off course, but it's what we overdo. Peter said that Satan's goal is to devour us. Friend, he knows if he can simply get us distracted, if he can simply get us off course just a little bit, if he can just blur our focus just a little bit to the extreme, oh, then he can even change the very outcome of our life. We're making an acrostic with the word devour. The devil wants to devour you. For the word D, I've used the word distractions. For the E, I'm using the word excuses. Excuses. Satan is the master excuse maker. He offers an excuse for every single situation. When the pastor says that you need to repent in order to be saved, The devil says, but you're not a bad person. You haven't done anything bad. You don't need to repent. When the preacher says, you need to tithe. How? The devil says, here he goes again, talking about money. That's all they want down there. If that church is your money, you need that money for your bills. The devil says, you could... You could help your struggling parents or you could help your struggling kids with that tithe money. God wouldn't care, the devil says. God, he wouldn't care if you gave that money to somebody that needed it. The devil goes on to say, make up your own rules. Do it your way. When the preacher says you need to have a ministry, you need to uh, be working for God, the devil says that's the preacher's job. That's why we're paying him the big bucks. He's just trying to guilt you into doing his job for him. (laughs) Excuses. The devil's loaded with them. He has an excuse for every situation and every occasion. And let me tell you this morning, if you let him, Satan will excuse you right into hell. Peter said that the devil is like a roaring lion. He walks about in search of those that he might devour. We're using an acrostic with the word devour today to see the ways and the means and the methods that the devil uses. We've used the D, distractions, the E, excuses. And for the letter V, I'm using the word vices. Vices. Satan paints a pretty picture, doesn't he? He is the ultimate graphics designer. He knows how to make sin look appealing. He can make even the worst of sins look attractive. But what I've noticed is that the devil never shows the aftermath of sin. He never shows the results of a life of sin. 
He never paints the picture of the alcoholic or the drug addict laying in the, in, in the gutter in their own filth. They have lost their family. They've, they, they've, they've wrecked their career. They, they beg for just enough money to get another bottle or another fix. Oh, and then there's the porn addict. Oh, he could be your next door neighbor. He could even be sitting by you in this service this morning. Pornography has reached epidemic proportions. Oh, many who appear to be fine, upstanding citizens, pillars of the community, Heathcliff, Huxtable, appearing fathers, and yet they're living a double life, sneaking around, going to sleazy places, getting up in the middle of the night to feed their porn habits. Peter said the devil is like a roaring lion. He, he seeks whom he may devour. You might say, well, pastor, what's wrong with just one beer with the boys? What's wrong with just buying a couple of lottery tickets every now and then? Probably nothing. Probably nothing. But I promise you this, this morning the alcoholic wishes he had never had that one beer with the boys. I promise you this, this morning the gambling addict wishes he had never gone to the track that first time or bought that first lottery ticket. Oh, Satan paints a pretty picture, friend, but he fails to tell tell us that the picture he has painted is the before picture. He doesn't show you the after. James said it this way in James chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. We're making an acrostic with the word devour today because that's the goal of the devil he does this through distractions through excuses through vices the oh others others I talk about this a lot but that's okay it's very 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 important you see who we are and who we are becoming is a direct result of who we choose to hang out with and who we're choosing to listen to Proverbs 13 and 20 he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed 1 Corinthians 15:33 do not be deceived evil company corrupts good habits it can't be any more clear than these two verses. You see, the devil knows that he can change the way we think and he can change the way we act. All he has to do is to get us to hang out with the right people, or in this case, the wrong people. And hear me this morning, you will do things in a crowd that you would never do as an individual. It's called going along to get along. When I was growing up, my dad had a had a rule. Well, actually, he had a had a hundred rules. <laughs> but one of my daddy's rules when I was a teenager, and it was for all three of us teenage boys. As teenage boys, dad wouldn't let us get into a car with more than one boy. And if my dad saw me in a car with more than one boy at a time, I was in trouble. Dad said a car load of boys is trouble looking for a place to happen. 
That's why I always had a carload of girls. <laughs> Young people, listen to Pastor Paul Paul this morning. I've been around the block a few times. I know a little bit about what I'm talking about this morning. Be very, very, very careful who you hang out with. Better to be a loner at school than to be popular with the wrong crowd. When I was in high school, I, I, I'm actually choleric sanguine in my personality, but my dad was choleric also, so I didn't get to be because he was. That's the way it works. So you go to your second thing. So I was more sanguine than choleric when I was growing up. My wife will tell you that's who she married, and then I flipped on her. But I've got a lot of sanguine in me as well as a lot of choleric, mostly choleric, but the rest is is mostly sanguine. That center of attention, happy, uh, you know, I was the class clown, all that kind of stuff. But I made a decision when I was about in the 10th grade. Even though I was sanguine, even though I liked to be the center of attention, even though I liked to be among the crowd, I chose to be a loner at school. Because I knew that if I was with the wrong bunch and the wrong crowd, their influence would be on me. And I was trying. wasn't perfect, but I was trying to live for God, trying to serve God, trying to do the right thing. And so I chose. And it was hard when you're the kind of person who likes to be the center of attention and all of that to pull yourself away. Hear me, young people, don't date unsaved people. Oh, oh, pastor, I'm not going to marry them. I'm just going to date them. Oh, oh, so you're telling me you're going to marry somebody you haven't dated? Of course you're going to marry the one you date. Oh, but pastor, I'll get him to come to church and he'll get saved. Yeah, he or she will come to church a time or two. Just enough to satisfy you. Just enough to make sure your mom and dad's okay with it. Just enough to keep you as boyfriend or girlfriend. But if you do marry them, they'll more than likely stop coming. See, Satan knows he can devour a person by simply getting them connected to the wrong people. As a pastor, I often get very concerned when I start seeing so-and-so in the church start hanging out with so-and-so. Why, Pastor? Because I know that that same sour spirit that this one has will eventually get on that one if they start hanging out together. This is why we ought to seek out the sweetest people in the church and start hanging out with them. Amen. Let's look at the you in this acrostic. Unpleasant circumstances. The devil will try and devour us through unpleasant circumstances. Whether it be disease or disappointment or dispute, he will arrange more than our share of unpleasant circumstances to cross our path. When we're sick, he'll say something like, if God really loves you, he'd heal you. How can you continue to serve a God that will allow you to be sick like this? When disappointment comes, the devil points an accusing finger at the offending party and says, Yeah, 
All those Christians are alike. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. Why in the world would you want to be numbered with them? When a little bit of dissension pops up in the church, the devil says, you don't need this. Why don't you just get out of there? Stay home for a while at least until this blows over. Yeah, the devil knows how to use unpleasant circumstances in our lives to devour us. Let's look at the last letter in our acrostic of the word uh, devour this morning. Satan devours through rebellion. Rebellion. In Luke chapter 15, a very, very familiar story. It's the story of the prodigal son. We know the story very well. A father who's lost his son because of rebellion. We don't know what was going on in the mind of this boy. We don't know what was happening and taking place in his life. But it's a parable. We have a little uh, leeway here. Let me just suggest three things that the devil might have said to this younger son in order to get him to leave his father. Perhaps he told him, your father is old. He's outdated and he's out of style. And what does he know about life? Oh, he might know about yesterday, but he doesn't have a clue about today. And he sure knows nothing about tomorrow. Oh, his values might have been good and right for his day, but it's a new day and it's a new time. And there's a new morality. Perhaps he said, you've been sheltered. You've been sheltered and it's time for you to spread your wings. Oh, it's time for you to taste a little of the life that, that the rest of the world is experiencing. Oh, how do you know what's right and wrong if you have never experienced these things? Perhaps he told him, if you're going to get a true taste of the world, you better get as far away from your father as you possibly can. And this younger son listened. He listened to the voice of the enemy. He, he packed his bags. He, he took a portion of his father's money and he headed off to a faraway country. And once he got far enough from his father, Satan had him. Satan had him. No longer does the prodigal boy, no longer does he have the influence of his father. No longer, oh, is he under the protective covering of his father. And Satan ate him alive, chewed him up, and spit him out. And the prodigal was devoured. The only thing that saved this young prodigal was he had a good memory. <laughs> oh, he had a good memory. Oh, he remembered his father's house. He remembered his father's ways. All of a sudden, they're not so bad anymore. Oh, he remembered his father's heart. He said, I know my father. Oh, even his lowest of servants have better than what I've got. I'll go back and I'll beg for mercy. And I'll beg just to be welcomed back, not as a son. I've totally messed that up. I could never, ever, ever be that again. I'll just ask if I can just be the lowest servant. 
Because the lowest in my father's house is better than what I'm experiencing right now. And he returns home. And he throws himself upon the mercy of his father. And his father's mercy towards him was bountiful. Oh, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm not worthy to be a son. Just make me a servant. But the father said, no, you'll never be a servant. You've always been my son. You always will. Oh, he said to the servants, bring oh the best robe in the house and cover him up. I don't want anybody to see him in the shape that he's in. And bring a ring for his hand. That family insignia ring. Oh, it's like a brand. Oh, it lets you know he's a son and not a slave. Bring the ring and put on his hand. And bring shoes and put on his feet. The only one that goes without shoes is his servants. So they won't be able to escape. Their shoes are taken from them. Oh, I don't want anybody to see him barefooted and think he's just a servant. He's my boy. He's my son. Bring, bring some shoes and put them on his feet. Kill the fatted calf that I've been fattening up, waiting for this day, knowing that one day, hoping that one day my boy would come home. And kill the fatted calf and, oh, let's have a barbecue. Let there be music and dancing and celebration. Oh, oh, my son. Oh, he was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. Let's rejoice and be exceedingly glad. We could get the musicians and singers back in place this morning. Peter said, Satan, like a roaring lion, walks about, seeking whom oh, he may devour. Jesus said to Peter one time, Satan has desired that he might have you, that he might sift you as wheat. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, that the devil comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. Somebody said, if you play with fire, you'll get burned. Let me tell you this morning, don't play around with the devil. He will devour you. He will devour you. He'll take you out. He'll take you out. We made an acrostic of this word devour, giving us a little insight to the ways and means and methods that the devil uses to devour the people of God. He uses distractions. He doesn't just use evil, wicked, vile, degrading, disgusting, horrible, grungy. No, no, no. He knows if he can just get you off course a little bit, if he can just get you distracted a little bit with good things, good things, not bad things, good things. It's not what we do most of the time that gets us in trouble. It's what we overdo. Excuses. He's got one for everything. He's got one. If you need one, he's got it. Vices. Oh, that'll never happen to me. That'll never happen to me. I guarantee you that man that I told you about who got hooked on gambling, he never ever one time thought, this thing's going to get a hold of me and it's going to wreck my whole life. Never one time. Oh, it's just fun. I'm just going to the, I'm just skipping work a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm just getting out and, and, and having a little fun. And I'm winning. Well, you know what? The devil will let you win. He'll let you win. Just enough. Just enough to get you hooked. Others. Others. 
What you would never, ever do yourself, you'll do with somebody else. You'll do with a gang. You'll do with a group of people. What you would never, ever do. You'd never, ever do. There are people on death row today. Can't believe they got caught up in what they got caught up in. But there was a leader. There was somebody leading and everybody else was, didn't want to be different, didn't want to drop out, didn't want to be, you know, a, a, a nerd or, or whatever. And so they went along to get along. Unpleasant circumstances. Friend, you're going to have them. Whether you serve God or serve the devil, you're going to have them. It's called life. It's not a negative statement. It's just the reality. It's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. It's going to be times when you're on top of the world, and there's going to be times when the world's on top of you. Yeah. Rebellion. Rebellion. And the devil loved just to plant a little bitty seed. A little bitty seed. I guarantee you that the prodigal didn't leave home the first day he thought about it. But he rehearsed it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Father, Lord, we thank you for the word of the Lord today. Oh God, I just pray today, Lord. Oh, that we would not become devoured. Lord, as I look over this congregation and I, as my old friend would tell me, preacher, you're preaching to the choir. And I see a host of good-looking choir members here today. But God, I also know that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I know by experience that many that appear one way are totally another way in reality. Some of them are just here because because even though that's going on in their life, they don't want it to go on in their life, and they're struggling, and they try, and they try, and they keep and they trying and keep trying. Others, nobody would even have a clue what was going on in their life. And those closest to them would be appalled and couldn't believe it and would think they were the last one that this would ever happen to or be going on in their life, and yet it's going on even as I speak this morning. Speak to our hearts, dear God. Speak to our hearts. Help us to turn a deaf ear to the enemy of our soul. Not to listen to the enemy, but to draw close to the Lord today. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. Nobody is looking about. No one is looking today. This is difficult this morning, but I think it's important that you respond today. You've heard this word today. You're here this morning. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to make you come forward or stand up. Or No one's going to know today. No one. <laughs> but you're here today. And the enemy of your soul has been pulling on you. Pulling on you. Pulling on you. This morning, you want to break free from the enemy this morning. Can I see your hand today all over this room? God bless you. 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 Thank you. Put your hands down. How many others? You haven't yet to raise your hand this morning. The enemy of your soul has been tugging on you. 
Maybe he's using something vulgar and vile and disgusting, or maybe he's just he's duped you into getting overly involved in some good things that has caused you to get on the wrong to get, to get on the wrong road, going in the wrong direction. Pastor, it's not what I it's not what I've done that's wrong. It's what I've what I've overdone. What I've overdone. If that's you this morning, respond with an uplifted. Not what I'm doing that's wrong, but it's what I'm overdoing. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. How many others this morning? Hallelujah. Would you stand with us this morning? Could we have about four altar workers this morning? You're trained altar workers to come. Please make sure you stand. You stay with him.